Hello and welcome to the Cold Chain Podcast. My name's Shane Brennan and I'm the Chief Executive of the UK Cold Chain Federation. This podcast is for anyone who's interested in the day-in, day-out issues of operating the temperature control supply chain in the UK and around the world. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to one of the new leaders that's coming to the UK Cold Chain, John Stowe of ACS&T, a business that celebrates its 100 years of operation this year, um, backed up by a very, Camellia PLC, a very long-standing British institution that invests in our food supply chain around the world. It's been a bit of a gap since my last podcast. Um, I don't know how time flies by at, at this time of year, particularly now the sun is out and we're looking forward to hopefully, fingers crossed, the next month, the reopening of everything to do with our, our lives and hopefully we're getting back, back to some form of normality. So um, it's great that we've got this podcast. I've got other podcasts coming up very soon with Mark Burrell of Moran Logistics. We'll be talking to the team at Company Shop and a range of others over the course of the summer. Also, we've got some exciting plans away underfoot for how the Cold Chain Federation is going to embrace the new liberties of a post-lockdown world, which we'll hopefully be talking to you about in the coming uh, coming months um, as we enter the, the summer proper. Um, so as I say, today we're talking to uh, John Stowe. As ever with these things, it's great to have a really candid conversation with someone who's running a, an important cold chain business. There's some really interesting things to tell you about um, how to changing the culture and tackling the changes at ACS&T, his optimism about the growth of the cold chain um, and how he sees ACS&T fitting into that and its particularly unique uh, position in a, in, a, in a growing marketplace. And I think you'll see that John's sort of personal commitment to building strong relationships with the people that work for him and the people he works with really shining through in, in, in the conversation that we had. So really looking forward to sharing it with you. Before I do that, a quick reminder that, you know, the Cold Chain podcast is uh, got a great back catalogue now of, of interesting conversations and different kinds of content. So please check it out in our library. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating or review because the more subscriptions and ratings we get, the more we can uh, get identified by others um, and get to over our listening base. I'm so excited to say that the podcast has now exceeded more than 2,000 listens since its, its, its inception, which you know is way more than I ever thought we would potentially get. But I think, you know, we're on course for even greater, better growth as we go on. So please, please subscribe, please review, please share with your friends. And without further ado, let's hand over to our conversation with John Stone. Hello, John, and welcome to the Cold Chain Podcast. Hi, Shane. Good afternoon. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. I'm great. Thanks a lot for doing this. Um, best way to start these things is to ask you to say a few words about, about um, ACS&T as a business. Yes, no problem. Obviously, thank you for this opportunity to uh, obviously have this podcast. And I think... ACS&T is a company that has a really proud heritage. Obviously, it started as the London Ice and Storage Co. back in 1921. So, you know, this is our centenary year, which is, is great news. I think from my perspective, um, being a centenary year is an opportunity to actually look at the coming 100 years rather than actually spending all the time looking backwards and celebrating everything that's been. So. I think it's a real opportunity now to sort of consolidate the position of ACS&T and see how we can really meet the market challenges moving forward. I guess, like all businesses, and particularly long established ones, it goes through sort of phases of regeneration and transformation. And obviously for myself, having joined in, in August 2020, what really struck me about ACS&T is the people that here within this existing business, their passion and their desire to do such a good job was absolutely compelling when I was looking at this business. 
And it really does you know, make a difference in terms of what we're trying to do now and as we look forward as a business. I think it's also clear that obviously with history, there's things that aren't so good and there probably wasn't the same strategic direction that there should have been within the business. But I think now there's a real opportunity um, to maximize what we offer, which is obviously cold storage and integrated logistics um, to a whole variety of customers in the different means and forms. Mm great fantastic I, 100 years 100 years since he that's, that's a fantastic um nugget that i didn't know that's that's really really good to hear um just just so just one step back on that what's the what how many sites have since he got around the in the country and and what's the size of the business yes we have um frozen storage of around sixty-eight thousand pallets in total um and we have um chilling ambient of a few thousand pallet spaces so we can operate with all three temperature regimes um, should a customer require it. Our three main warehousing operations are slapping in the middle of the country at Wolverhampton, we've got Grimsby in the north and we've got Tewkesbury further down in the south and we also have a transport operation out of Scarborough on the east coast so they're the main operating centres that we operate at the moment. Great. So there's a quite, a, quite a good a good spread of different different locations there to sort of meet to get pretty much good UK wide coverage. Then I would I would say. Yeah, absolutely. It's covering the spine of the country. Although um, if we get to talk about strategy, uh, each of those sites, although they are part of an integrated network, actually are specialising in different activities. And I call them centres of excellence. So for Grimsby, not surprisingly, because 70% of the seafood industry is still based around Grimsby is our Grimsby warehouse operation is centered around the, the seafood industry and the needs and requirements of the seafood industry. Um, slapping in the middle of the country at Wolverhampton, it's all about finished products. So it's all about case picking and consolidating deliveries out of that particular site. And at Tewkesbury, it is a meat center of excellence. So it is an operation that is centered around the, the meat and meat processing business. That doesn't mean they can't do other activities, and all of them do, but they have specialisms that they are their core focus. And how do you, and so that, that's really interesting, and how do you then get the um, the team, so do the team have sort of specialist skills then on the basis of those of those different kind of, uh, different different sort of product rich and customer, customer mixes? Absolutely, and and that is, is so important. If I take the um, seafood industry out of Grimsby, again, one of the differences is we have to play to, to the strengths of what we're actually doing. We don't have automated operations. We're at the other end of the spectrum where actually, I hate the cliche, but people really are our most important asset. So we're very much people orientated in what we do. And a lot of the smaller customers and even the larger customers that we actually service, of course they have their own jargon, they have their own processes, their own ways of working. What we do is wrap our ways around their ways of working. So if we were taking manual orders for example our customer service guys and girls have to understand all of the jargon and the and the ways of working of each individual customer so it's very specialized but it's very personal in terms of the way we operate and that's at each of the different locations that's always shone through to me whenever i've dealt with 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 ATS and t as a business is that you know i think you've got a pretty good sort of long-standing experienced team there as from what i can tell and and that kind of long-standing relationship with customers is sort of being one of the sort of hallmarks of how the business is built. Is that is that the foundation that you see for the business going forward? I think there's a, there's a number of different elements there. And certainly with the customer base, we're very fortunate that um, we have very long-term relationships with all of our key customers, which is excellent. I think that is actually 
the end result of that very personalized and specialized service that we actually offer them. In terms of um, my team here, yes, um, I've got some people that 40 years plus service, which is absolutely brilliant, but also I've actually got a real mix of new blood that have come into the business, particularly in the last year um, as well. And I find that gives a really healthy balance of really good experience, really good knowledge and fresh thinking, fresh ideas and innovation. And the two complement themselves really well. And, and I've got a really strong senior leadership team that is not only just a, a mix of male and female and, and experience uh, in terms of length of service, it creates a really buoyant and dynamic team that can really help you drive this business forward. That's fantastic. And but, and obviously the, at the core of that new fresh ideas and leadership team is yourself, John. So <laughs> how, how did you how did you find your way into, into Cold Chain? I mean, is this something you were working in before or is this your first job in Cold Chain? Uh, this is my first role exclusively in Cold Chain. In fairness, uh, I've done a fairly sort of classic career where I did the sort of first sort of 17, 18 years in 3PL. Um, and a lot of that time was actually in um, consumer retail, so servicing a lot of the food retailers. Uh, I've then actually done a mixture of um, in-house and external activity since uh, until this opportunity came along. And actually, it was a really good chance to, to come in and specialise in, in the cold chain uh, with the perspective of understanding how the retail sector works and the demands and standards that the retail sector demands of the cold chain moving forward. So to me, it was a really good marriage and, and a really good yeah. mix. Yeah, I think you and I share a bit of a bit, a bit of a career path history and I was <laughs> quite a lot of years yes. working in convenience industry. And I think, I think you, you, you work for, 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 for Nisa Today's uh, among others, and I think that's a that's somewhere where we have a, a bit of, of common yeah. common heritage. Um, Absolutely, and I think um, you know it. Obviously, the convenience sector is probably one of the most challenging parts of retail to work with, and certainly when you're dealing with independent retailers, uh, there's a, a very very high standards, a very high expectation, and quite rightly so. And that's exactly the the type of service and process compliance that uh, is now the opportunity that I can bring to ACS and T. And that that sort of sort of understanding the customer supply chain needs, and then meeting into into a sort of logistics service provider like ACSNT. Do you think that the the two business those two things work well together? I mean, obviously, I know that's a that's a very generic question. Obviously, there's lots of different examples of that. But you know, do you, do you feel like you know we are geared at the moment as cold chain operators to meet the needs of those customers and those customers' expectations in the right sort of place? What they can what they should get from cold chain operations. I think it's um, that's a really good question, and I think the the interesting thing about the last few years is the segmentation that's taken place um, in in the cold chain uh, with the arrival of these very large automated cold stores. And in fairness, there's absolutely a place for there, but almost ACSNT is the opposite of those types of activities. So rather than our customers having to conform to a, a process flow and a set way of working, which a very large um, automated warehouse has to work that way because it's designed and processed to, to do exactly that. We can offer real flexibility and real variability um, and flex to emergency requirements of all of our customer base. And it's absolutely horses for courses. Whilst that's absolutely great um, for, for some customers, if, if it was just purely production coming off uh, at a set rate and, and needing um, highly efficient, low cost storage, 
then actually the automated warehouses are exactly the right place to be. So I think it's really healthy in cold chain that there's now this differentiation and this, this opportunity and variation of service because it allows customers real choice in, in terms of what's important to them and making sure they actually get a partner that really meets their requirements. Yeah, it's really striking to me how much there is obviously, obviously the customers are able to, to, to go out and find the, the services they need for a number of different companies across cold chain and obviously being the industry trade body we obviously never we don't play <laughs> favorites we like to see everyone getting a fair share of the work but it's quite obvious that there are these specialisms that, that, that play out and 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 um you know, i can think of other companies like it that are in the ATSNT space that do provide a service that can never be uh replaced by a by robotic and automated automated systems um so John, obviously, you, obviously you're new into the business, and, and obviously, what the first thing that, 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 that any new leader does is they take a sort of strategic view of of the business that they that they are now leading, but also the marketplace in which they they are operating. What are the sort of headlines of the sort of strategic context that you see for ACS and T as it prepares for the next few years? Mm, well, very much a an agenda of growth um, that's yeah. built originally around our existing network but it also means investment in um, new facilities moving forward. I think um, we're a balanced business, so we have a, an integrated warehouse and transport solution, and both parts uh, are absolutely fundamental um, to acs and moving forward. I think looking at the, the recent past and back to that sort of strategic change, um, the transport part was always observing to the warehouse and just sort of fitted in with the sort of the warehouse operations mm. where obviously a temperature control fleet is a premium product and has a real opportunity um, to both support the existing warehouse operations but also to be a um, standalone unit in its own right and I think that in itself has actually given a different thinking in terms of the way we operate our transport uh, which is now making sure that the vehicles are working 24-7, that every single leg is actually then productive. Um, that then not only has environmental benefits, clearly, because it's taking trucks off the road, um, but it's also then making more commercial sense, which allows more competitive rate uh, offerings out to our customers. And the, the centre of that is built around our transport operation at Wolverhampton, which had this consolidation activity taking place anyway. And it allows us to actually build really strongly on that. I think with the warehouse operations, uh, it is it is very much around those specialisms, those centres of excellence, which are evolving very quickly, um, and it's it's also around adding value services because, you know, back to that point about the differentiation in the marketplace. If it's just plain storage, there are many different options there. If there is all sorts of added value services that a particular customer wants, they don't fit into large automated flows that well uh, and gives the real opportunity then for us to be able to tailor the services around that customer and give them exactly what they need, both for now and as it develops moving forward. Yeah, obviously growth, growth and exciting sort of growth is kind of the sort of order of the day. And obviously, despite mm -hmm. all of the, the, the difficulties we face with it, COVID and everything else, I think everyone sort of see, recognizes that sort of investment trend that's, that's happening across across cold chain. Um, mm -hmm. I think you've sort of touched on it already a little bit, but do you do you see the, the significant amount of new space that's going to be constructed in the next sort of two or three years as a, as a threat or an opportunity for the ACS&T business? 
I see it as an opportunity. In fairness, the market, the cold store market, everything I see um, predicts growth in, in the cold storage market, which is almost certainly behind some of the uh, investment that's actually taking place. There is generally a shortage of, of cold storage within the UK market. And I think that in itself you know, is a reflection of sort of the last 10 years where investment has actually been held back. So to a degree, there's an element of catch up, but there's also uh, plenty of growth potential in the market, particularly if you look uh, up until 2026 and even beyond that particular point. And therefore, um, I see both the overall position and our type of offering as a real potential in the coming years for new growth. And that's already taking place in the time I've actually been here. We've been focusing initially on the warehouse operations and the centers of excellence. You know, and it's really pleasing that we have already attracted new customers into our operation and we're in discussion with, with quite a number at the moment. So I don't see any shortage of activity to be able to um, fill our existing warehouses and then obviously form the basis for future investment and growth beyond that particular point. Yeah, uh, that, that, that market correction point about the fact that it's been under-invested under -invested, as sort of culture, particularly warehousing for it for, for a period being being corrected is is certainly a point I recognise. What about the short-term factors? I mean, how has ACS&T um, got through the last sort of 12 months? I mean, you joined a business in the middle of a, <laughs> well, in, in a lull in the middle of a international, a national, international crisis. Um, how do you sort of, how do you sort of take the reins in that sort of context? sort of things that you found and how the business has coped through the through that period yes i think in fairness it's back to that um passion of the team and, and the quality of the people within acs and t however um if i said the last 12 months haven't been challenging uh of, of, don't think anyone has actually found in, in uh, cold chain the last 12 months being particularly easy um all of those characteristics of, of the people i talked about in terms of flexibility agility um and um act with pace, respond to our customers, understand our customers' requirements, have all held us in good stead through, through the COVID period. Um, but obviously the clear fact is a large proportion of our business has a food service connection. And with hospitality closed down um, and very limited, it has been you know, a challenging 12 months for us. It's actually challenging both ways, because one was obviously understanding our customers' requirements and needs um, as the, you know, the rules kept changing during the last 12 months. Um, and more recently, of course, uh, as everything starts to open up in, in a sort of a staggered and phased way, is making sure that we're actually in the right place to be able to, to meet the demands and requirements of that same customer base. And as I sit here today, uh, obviously, everyone's predicting a bumper summer um, yeah. with staycation and so on, you know, for the coming months. So it's actually now, again, working with those racing customers to actually understand uh, exactly what that might mean for them and what their requirements will be as we go into the summer months. So, yes, very interesting. After my first few months of actually making sure that we, we have been um, very responsive, managing cost in, and in an environment where we need to give very high service to one now where it's actually looking at pure volume in the coming months so making sure that we've got the right answers for that as well. Were you, were you using the furlough scheme much during that time? I mean one of the things I'm very proud of is uh, and, and this is part of ACS&T um, directly and it's part of our ethos of our parent company Camellia PLC uh, and it's all about the people and it's all about protecting jobs and we uh, have managed to do that throughout the whole period. Um, there was a small period of time where we needed to um, use the furlough and it was actually 
just on the one site that was directly servicing food service in its entirety. Um, and we had to put a small number of people on furlough for a short period of time. Obviously now, as you'd expect, and I'm really pleased, everyone's back in full-time employment, uh, and, and obviously furlough is hopefully something that's very much now in the past. Yeah, I mean, I, it's a really interesting one from a federation point of view, watching what's happening around the market in this little window of time. Um, and obviously, I get asked all the time about, um, you know, what's the what's the problems, what are the issues, particularly from a media-facing point of view, you know, there's always a concern mm -hmm. about, you know, where's the next, uh, next problem going to be? But certainly the... Um, the thing, one of the things that I sort of recognise, and it's interesting, it isn't really a case in ACST, but is is a bit of a labour crunch happening, um, or and, and brewing around the market, mm. whether it's whether it's on the driver's side or whether it's on the warehouse and warehouse labour side as well, in terms of sort of the the post Brexit removal of certain types of certain parts of the workforce because of people going home from to different parts of Europe, the COVID restrictions mm. meaning they're not being able to be as freely moving as they were before some of the changes to taxation and things like IR35, and just generally the mm. legacy of a long period of inactivity in certain parts of the supply chain, you know, sort of. Mm. Do, you, do, you, do you recognize those trends? And do you think, do you think the industry, we are, are there strategies businesses can take to sort of insulate themselves or protect themselves in, the, in that crunch to come in the coming months? I think so, and absolutely do recognize those trends and issues. I think, um, so warehouse and transport have slightly different challenges and therefore, not surprisingly, the sort of the solutions and the actions tend to be slightly different. I guess, starting with the obvious, uh, if you don't have the right welfare standards and you don't have the right sort of practices uh, and interaction with, with your colleagues and, and workforce, you know, then actually you're in a really bad place as, as a starting point. So not surprisingly, part of my strategy coming into this business back last August was to actually really transform our culture. Now, that's a long term program. You know, I've been here a number of months now, but to actually get a full culture change is going to be at least two years. Uh, but again, in conjunction with our, our parent company, Camellia, uh, we've put in place a number of welfare standards. Uh, and it's everything to do with employee assistance programs. It's revised all of the uh, elements like whistleblowing programs and so on, even down to the point of revamping all of the, um, we call it the culture code, but it's a, you know, an employee handbook if you want in terms of that way of working. So people have really good information and, and really good understanding about what's available to them uh, when they work for ACS&T, not just in their normal working day, but if they've got a problem where they can get help, which could be internal um, or it could be using external resources that we've got lined up to be able to help from everything from you know, financial challenges through to personal problems and, and so on. So, you know, the, the bedrock of everything is actually being an employer that takes an extreme interest in, in its workforce and actually puts the right welfare standards in place. Um, to state the, the absolute obvious, uh, no one's any better than anyone else. I'm no better than, than anyone in the business. We all have a role to play uh, and we're all equally important. It only ever works when everyone's actually doing that part. I think are, you seeing, are you seeing the results of that, John, already? Are you seeing evidence of that of that starting to have an effect? I think, um, interestingly enough, when I first came in, we did um, a, a colleague survey and uh, obviously in those you know when you run a survey you get the good the bad and the ugly you get it straight between the eyes of what people like what they don't like and what they think should be better um but of course it gave me a good starting point and literally we've just closed off an interim survey sort of six months on from that 
Um, and I think the very first sign is the fact that the number of people that actually took the time to complete it went up significantly, and that's a great indicator. And whilst we're still analysing, you know, what everyone has told us, the results are starting to come through. So, as I said earlier, a culture change is at least two years. So I'm the last one saying we're there, but I think we you know we've made a good start on that journey. I mean, I mean, I, I think from my point of view, I'm, I, I've noticed the visibility of ACSNT people going up, the positivity mm. from ACSNT people um, present in, in, in different social media forums and in, in around the rest of the Federation as well. So I think certainly from an outside point of view, I think we can certainly see that there are indications of that of that taking place. So um, it's pleasing to see. Mm. Mm. I think, um, again, the, the, there's many points to this. I think, um, sort of going back to your, your previous question, I think attracting cold store operators isn't always the easiest thing to do. Uh, because there are, there are sort of, in terms of temperature and in terms of work, there are sort of many easier jobs out there. But again, if you create the work environment that is that is conducive, if you create a, a work environment where there are opportunities to progress, we've actually found that um, warehouse colleagues are actually, you know, recruitment, retention, and so on is actually um, pretty good and fairly straightforward. I think the one that we do have a challenge on, um, like every operator in the country, is on drivers, you know, LGV1 drivers. I think with, with Brexit and uh, with everything that's been happening, you know, ranging from the you know, sort of driver CPC and, and so on, and the aging driver population, we've been no exception. And so we're working long and hard at the moment in terms of how we're attracting new drivers into uh, the industry into the business and whether that's through warehouse to wheels programs or whether that's you know through collaboration with with other companies and, and so on we haven't got the perfect solution for that yet you know but we, we recognize very much that the driver situation is only going to get more challenging over the next sort of 12 to 24 months and uh, you know that's something that really is a warning sign I think for every business out there at the moment yeah, no, absolutely, and, and 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 there are no easy solutions when it comes to drivers. I mean, it's going to be a. I think there's a bit of a of a hard period of the summer to to come across the across the chain. So, I think one of the things is making sure the market is prepared for it in terms of the impact on cost, um, and, and in general terms, I mean, um, but also looking at those sort of longer term factors like you just you just outlined. Um, can I? Um, ask you about uh, specifically i'm very struck by you know you know the acnt's ownership model is slightly different to anyone else in the sector and you know your parent uh, company is a very interesting business in camellia plc which obviously for those that don't know it is an international uh long long-standing uk-based business involved in agriculture all around the world and other, and other interests um what's the how does that sort of ownership impact on the way the business is run i mean how how does that is there much interaction day to day and now what are the, how do their values come into 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 your into you to you and your colleagues yes i mean we are incredibly fortunate one of the things again that really attracted me to acsnt uh was camellia um camellia plc owns acsnt since the mid 1990s and as you said, it's predominantly an agricultural business. So uh, I think it's the largest independent tea grower in the world, but also is very significantly into avocados and nuts and, and other types of activity. Um, I guess that's the, actually the first point to sort of bring out about our parent company is that if you're um, creating a new plantation of tea somewhere around the world, 
you know, it takes many years from the decision and the planting until you actually start to reap the, the rewards of cropping, you know, that particular activity. And that has created within Camellia um, a sense of long-termism. And that's something that also follows through to subsidiary companies that it owns, including ACS&T, which is incredibly refreshing because rather than what tends to be um, this intense short-termism of, of shareholder return and, and immediacy that is in industry generally, um, Camellia take a very long-term view in terms of their businesses and how they evolve and develop. Now that gives you the chance to make sure that you're actually doing the right thing and investing in the right areas to give the right long-term benefits, not just to Camellia, but also to the people that um, work within it. And I think the sort of the people aspect, because Camellia, as it works around the world, does have the highest um, sort of standards of ethical trading, of ESG in terms of its approach. And again, that is something that filters through uh, all the businesses that it owns. So we have um, group principal policies, which uh, comprise you know, all of these sort of fraud, anti-bribery, whistleblowing, tax evasion, all that type thing. And it's embedded in, in terms of the way that we work as a senior team, uh, and indeed the way that the whole uh, operation works within ACS&T. Really important, because it means we have standards, we have ethics in, in terms of the way that we actually trade. I think, um, it also comes down to the fact that as a group, this again comes from Camellia, we have this equal weighting. It's not just on what you do, it's the way you do it. In terms of the, the strap line that's always used, it's doing the right thing. And to me, that's again, is really refreshing, but really important and a real point of differentiation in, in this sort of cutthroat world that we actually work in. That actually, how you do something is just as important as the way you do it. And not surprisingly, all of our appraisals, all of our performance monitoring, uh, and in, indeed in terms of personal reward, is linked to the way you do something as much as how you do it is equally important. So there's some real interesting um, differences, I think, as, as being part of Camellia Group. And actually, again, those type of differences resonate with many of our customers, as they find there are really important differences in terms of a partnership uh, with a with a uh, cold storage business that actually uh, has uh, a way of thinking, a belief, and actually delivers it practice. Obviously, one of the areas that sort of resonates with the Cold Chain Federation, that idea of the long term of a business mm. and the long term of the industry really resonates with Cold Chain Federation. And how does how do you see the challenges around sustainability and environmental impact of Cold Chain impacting mm. on your business sort of today and in the sort of medium term? It's really important um, for every business, um, not only just within cold chain, but I think universally, you know, across the country. I think I have to recognise uh, where my strengths lie within ACS&T and obviously where there's areas that are going to be longer term in terms of the way I can address. So if I was building a new cold store right now, it would be very easy to build in and design um, all of the, the sort of the latest innovation and technology to reduce environmental emissions, carbon and uh, so on, into everyday activity. The challenge when you've got an existing estate, retrofitting uh, becomes incredibly difficult and incredibly expensive, uh, which makes it very, very difficult to commercially justify in terms of the way you operate. However, as I touched on earlier, 
that doesn't mean you can't do anything. So obviously, like everyone else, you can do the easy low-hanging fruit like LED lighting, rapid roll doors, uh, and so on within the warehouse environment. And of course, we've done all of that, that good activity. The area that I can make the most impact on in the short term uh, is actually back to that transport fleet again, because consolidation is a great activity in terms of taking food miles off the road. Um, you can also do it in collaboration. And again, one of the things I think is really important within um, cold chain is to start collaborating. So I have um, some good relationships with what well, on the face of it seems some of our competitors, but in reality, if we can operate efficiently and operate two-way movements where actually both parties are keeping those vehicles um, fully occupied on the road rather than running empty for set legs, that's got to be the right thing, not just for ACS&T, but also for my competitors and also for both of our customers. Because you know, at that point, we're giving both the environmental benefit and also we're giving the commercial benefit. And in reality, the two normally do go hand in hand. I think you just, and every company will be different. You have to pick the items that are actually going to give you the biggest benefits. Again, one of the benefits of being part of, of Camellia uh, as our parent company is we take part in the Carbon Trust Energy Audit each year. Um, Carbon Trust obviously very well recognized. They come through and audit all of our activities and we work with them then to see where the, uh, the most efficient and best areas across our transport operations and our warehouse operations, where we should be spending money to give a commercial return, but also makes the most impact on the environmental benefits that we can deliver. And I think that process is, is going to continue uh, absolutely and just grow as, as time moves forward. Yeah, that's complaining. That idea of collaboration that we see is music to the ears of somebody who runs the industry trade federation. Um, and obviously, it's one of the things that I've noticed about Colgate in, in the two, three years I've been here is that you know, it's a it's a legacy of across the industry of not being that good at collaboration, mm. particularly in the specialist three PLs, to one where the new leaders, the emerging leaders of the organ of, of the industry, are much more open to common sense collaboration wherever it's achievable. How do you strike the right balance on that, though, John? How do you know when 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 collaboration is is the right thing and competition is is is, 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 or is it competi or competition is the right thing? How do you, from your experience, how do you, what's, what's, how's your radar for that kind of thing? Well, it's interesting, obviously, coming from a, a retail background. I, I remember the times years ago where actually there were, there were, it was an absolute red line and it didn't matter whether you, you know, you had two customers and they were sending vehicles literally to the same place virtually next door to each other. They would not collaborate at all. You know, and I think, Thankfully, the world has moved on, even in that retail uh, world, that actually the difference is, uh, and it's certainly what I do with ACS&T, is recognise what is your competitive advantage. Um, and as I outlined earlier, for us, it's actually around the flexibility, reactivity, the specialist services we can provide within the, um, the cold storage activities. Obviously, we have very high parameters around the service of our transport, but we can work with our customers uh, and, and competitors to make sure that we're offering the best value for money. I think the other thing that's also very interesting in cold chain, I think most customers have this sort of um, desire to always have all of their stock in one location or with one particular customer. The sad reality is, uh, particularly for the larger companies, that's almost impossible. So they they end up with, with stock dispersed in, in a number of different operators. 
that of course is really helpful when it comes to collaboration because if if we're working with a customer that has stock with us but also stock with someone else it makes sense for, for, for myself and our competitor to collaborate in the best interests of, of our customer to make sure that we're, we're actually giving them the very best service at the very best cost and actually making the best of both of our resources and dovetailing to make sure that we're giving them an integrated solution in what they do. I find that very refreshing. I think, that, and that's something that I find as time moves on is becoming more prevalent within cold chain. And I think that will only continue particularly as the market's now segmented, I think, you know, the, the either the very large automated coal stores, the very small regional operators, or someone in the middle like ACS and T, um, it just makes sense to work together to actually give the right solution to the customer every time. And how are you feeling about the marketplace for the people that need to provide that provide you with services across the board, whether it's equipment and services and else? Are you, are you feeling like you're getting the, the service you need from the from, from, from the marketplace or are there gaps or are there things that you're particularly looking for um, for support with at this around these this time in fairness I it's almost back to to that um, colleague welfare type discussion I think if you treat your suppliers um, at arm's length then you get the service you deserve if you actually build a relationship with your suppliers you involve them with what you're trying to do um, and you, you share your um, aspirations and your ambitions with them uh, they understand their you know your direction of travel when you might need help and support um, and uh, have regular communication with you and us with them actually we've got a great set of suppliers and we've had no problems over the last um, 12 months that i've been around in the business I think the biggest challenge has been, you mentioned furlough earlier, that actually on a lot of service industries, they had furloughed a lot of their people. And even something simple as um, hiring a skip could be really challenging just because everyone was on furlough. You know, thankfully, we're getting to the back end of that time and, and obviously everything is, is starting to move forward. I do have to say um, uh, that and clearly I'm, I'm on a, a Country Federation podcast, but actually being... Um, Joining the Cold Chain Federation again um, shortly after I joined was one of the better moves that we've actually done. It's not just um, the, the access to, to obviously uh, other people within the industry. It is a fantastic education platform. I think you touched on it a little while earlier that a number of our people have started popping up on, on new webinars and attending and participating in, in various actions. I mean, what a great way to increase the awareness and education of your teams is by giving them access to, to the webinars that the Culture Federation run. And everyone gets a lot out of it. And we're widening out the number of people that, that are starting to you know, participate and, and enjoy those sessions. Of course, it's a two-way process, and we, we like to give to the to the federation as well, and therefore we've been participating in, in some other you know uh, parts of the activities that you've requested help on. But I think what a brilliant organisation, because give and take, and that combination of give and take is absolutely the right thing to do. So um, I think it, it is a, a really positive sign for the future, and, and it's something that is very much a benefit to ACS and T. Thank you, John. Right, I'll take that script bit away from you now. And, uh, so thank you very much. I appreciate it. And I think that's probably a good point at which to sort of draw things to a bit of a close. Um, I mean, it's been I mean, I've been delighted ever since you arrived, John. It's been a breath of fresh air from our point of view to have uh, someone. Or a, it's always good to have a new leader in the industry to come to sort of bring their own perspective and ideas. And you've certainly done that. And um, it's brilliant to have ACS&T back in the family, as it were, 
um, from, uh, and um, there's lots of big challenges ahead, a very exciting year ahead, hopefully mm -hmm. one where we all can get together in a room for, for the first Absolutely. time, starting, <laughs> starting this summer. So um, I really appreciate your time and uh, we look forward to many more conversations and collaborations in the months and uh, months and years ahead. So thank you very much, John. Thank you, likewise. Thank you very much, Shane. Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah. John's um, commitment to that business, his excitement about the opportunities it has and his uh, passion for the cold chain really shines through in, 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 his, uh, in his words. Um, and it's always great when you have these sort of longer form conversations just to get under the skin of, of, of people and, and what they're about as a business. And um, I think ACS&T are clearly in very good hands for the foreseeable future. ACS&T actually rejoined the Federation at the start of this year, having been... Um, um, out of membership for a couple of years and it's just brilliant that John has seen the importance of bringing them back into the family um, and getting the benefits of, of, of what the Cold Chain Federation is all about. In fact that has been the real success story of the of this year. Ever since the, the start of January we've seen so many new businesses joining the Cold Chain Federation. Having launched a new brand a year and a half ago, having built the new product, it's so gratifying to see so many businesses joining up um, into our project and buying into our mission which is about providing that unique representation that unique uh, opportunity to, to network and come together um, and to, to problem solve together, which is what the Coltrane Federation is all about. Um, loads more of these conversations coming up. Um, so if you're interested in getting involved in the podcast, please uh, drop me a line. I'm always interested in, in, in potential uh, interviewees. Um, and also, uh, please, as I said at the outset, please subscribe to our podcast. Please leave me a review in one of the, uh, the platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts or another, because the more you do that, the more it raises us up the ratings and gives us uh, opportunity for others to find us. So as I say, the sun's come out over the last week or so. Um, we're about to see the, hopefully, fingers crossed, the reop full reopening of, of, of hospitality. And so we're in for a really good summer. Um, and the cold chain uh, is going to really show what it does best, which is keeping food flowing, keeping goods on our shelves, and um, meeting the needs of our customers. Thanks very much for listening. And until next time, I wish you all happy, safe and strong trading. <laughs>